uh, is a shelter for uh, women and children here in Gadsden. And uh, we will be collecting those on Palm Sunday. You can bring those items. Speaking of Palm Sunday, we will not be here in the sanctuary on Palm Sunday. We will be at the amphitheater. And I hear there's going to be some animals there with us, which is amazing. Um, we're going to have a photo booth. And I hear a rumor, Jay, about a food truck. Can you believe what? that? I food truck. I love food trucks. I know. It's going to be amazing. Um, so the Easter egg hunt is going to be April the 3rd from 10 to 12 at the Casey Farm. Catherine Barnes is working hard on that. It is going to be a great, great time at the Easter egg hunt. If you don't have kids with you and you want to come hang out at the egg hunt, come hang out anyway. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time. Holy Week services are going to be happening at noon every day in the sanctuary uh, during Holy Week. And this is a really good, uh, really great announcement. On Easter, sun, su on Easter Sunday, uh, for our sunrise service, it's going to be virtual, but we have Bishop Deborah Wallace Paget is going to be leading our sunrise service, which is really great. Um, and it, just lastly, I want to let you know that our, we have some Sunday school classes that are back in person. The Martin Fellowship class and the Pathfinders class are back. And I hear those are great classes, aren't they? And if you've never been to one of these classes before, you are welcome to join them. They would love to have you. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can worship together on this beautiful Sunday morning. We pray that you'll calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning. It's good to see you in the Lord's house today, and it's good to be connected with you. I know you're worshiping with us at home. I know that, I mean, our reach stretches all over the place since we are live streaming, and we're glad that we're worshiping together with you today. Uh, for those who are here, Miss Catherine's going to take you to Children's Church. I know you're going to have a great time with that. So as she does that, I want to take this opportunity to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the ways that you support your church. I was, I was so thankful to see so many people come out yesterday to Camp Sumatanga to, to help, you know, just put a little sweat and a little effort into getting our camp back where it needs to be. We need to, we need to support our camp and it was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Andy? It's a lot of fun. And, um, and I appreciate all of that. I appreciate the way that you support your church by your giving. And I want to invite you to keep doing that and, and thank you in advance for that. I want you to, um, to please let us know your prayer requests. We want to pray for you. We have a prayer team that's active and, and we, we love to pray for the needs of our church family. We also want to hear um, about your answers to prayer because that that encourages us and, and helps us to keep on going. Will you um, just pause right now, wherever you are, what you're doing, if you're worshiping with us this morning, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, this beautiful spring day reminds us of new life that is waiting to begin. It reminds us that uh, over the cold winter days, it's it's like the time before the resurrection and the spring is like the resurrection new life and we thank you for the way that you're working inside of us right now to bring forth new life it's been a, a long year lord one year ago today we we had to shut everything down in our our whole country just about and certainly in our, our church to try to be safe we were all so scared lord and we have sustained losses and we've had heartaches but God you've brought us through and we want to say thank you Lord and we want to ask for your guidance as we go into the future learning our lessons from the past and knowing we can trust you to be with us every step of the way we ask all of this in the name of Christ our Lord Amen
thankful as always for the praise band and I don't know about you but that was a new song for me I hadn't heard that one before and I really loved it I'm I'm a Lauren Daigle fan anyway and I'm a Molly Page fan too you know I mean um, but I hope is uh, as, as they were singing that song I don't know about you but I, I just felt something in in me that, that really resonated with that lay it down because I, I care, I don't know about you, but I carry things that I just really need to lay down and give to God. So anyway, that, that just touched me, touched me. And I hope that you will join me in a very familiar passage of Scripture, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 14 through 21 this morning. Follow along with us on the screen or your device or your Bible however you want to or just listen and just as Moses lifted up the servant serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, not, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe in him are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed." But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are many things that we take for granted, and some of them are very important, and we take them for granted anyway. One thing that we really take for granted that we really shouldn't is punctuation. You thought I was going to say something different, didn't you? But punctuation, I mean, punctuation is so important. It really, it could almost be a matter of life and death. And you think I'm exaggerating this, uh, uh, this point, but I want you to think about the little bitty comma and how you can take the same words and put a comma in the right place and it be okay and then put the comma in the wrong place and it really not be okay. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Same words, one with comma correctly, one with comma incorrectly. I'll let you decide. Are you ready? Let's eat, children. And then without the comma, let's eat, children. So, see, it could be life and death. It just depends on how you look, look, look at it. I'll give you another one. Here's a, here's a, a sentence. It, this was actually on the cover of a magazine. Um, this celebrity chef gets her inspiration from cooking, her family, and her dogs. Now, without the commas, this celebrity chef gets her inspiration from cooking, her family, and her dogs. So, you know, it really makes a lot of difference. And one more, I know I could go on with this, so I'll just give you one more. Uh, stop clubbing baby seals with no comma. Uh, and then with a comma, stop clubbing baby seals. Can't you just picture them out there on the little dance floor with their little flippers and the, I don't know. See, it could be life or death for baby seals, for dogs, for children. But the title of today's message is Why Jesus? And today we're going to look at those two words and we're going to look at them with a comma and without a comma. Because with and without a comma, it gives a little different shade of meaning, and both are important. First, why Jesus for Nicodemus that night without the comma? Why Jesus for Nicodemus that night? You see, 
we read this passage of Scripture so many times, and we get to John 3.16, and that's all we want to see. We want to see John 3.16 is probably one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible. It's so famous that you see it at sporting events. Remember the guy in the rainbow wig that used to get in the end zone and hold a John 3.16 sign when they would kick the extra point? Um, and then you remember, you know, that's been a long time ago, but then not so long ago, Tim Tebow used to have the little eye blacks that said John 3.16 and all. You know, it's just become almost pop culture. But something happened leading up to John 3.16. Something was going on before Jesus ever said, for God so loved the world. Something was happening that night. A guy named Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus now, who was Nicodemus? He was a very powerful leader. Uh, he was a Pharisee, one of the separated ones in, in the Jewish culture. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, that very powerful ruling council, that group before whom Jesus was going to be standing after he was arrested in the garden. This was a, a highly educated man in, in, a, in a world where not many people got to be educated he was a Pharisee, part of that group that, that was highly critical of Jesus. So what was this highly educated, highly religious, highly uh, powerful man doing, coming to Jesus? Jesus, the one who was considered the rogue rabbi. Jesus, the one whom the other Pharisees were always, always trying to trip up and criticize I don't know for sure, but I think that Nicodemus came to Jesus because he just had to know. I think he had probably heard about the miracles and probably heard about the bold teaching of Jesus. And I think he just had to know. I think he was a God seeker and he wanted to know the truth. He wanted to know and see for his own eyes. And I think he came at night because maybe he just didn't want to be seen by his colleagues or other people. Why Jesus for Nicodemus? Well, because Jesus not only told the truth, Jesus is truth. And issuing from Jesus was the very word of God, the very love of God, the very truth, the very light, the healing, all of that. And people were drawn to Jesus naturally. People are still drawn to Jesus today, even if they're not drawn to the church. They're drawn to Jesus because of what goes forth from Jesus. The light and the life. Why Jesus as opposed... Here's another why Jesus, without a comma. Why Jesus as opposed to some other way to communicate. I mean, what I'm getting at here is... We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So why was that? Why Jesus? Why not some powerful angel that, that would just appear in the sky and, and dazzle everybody? Why not a famous prophet come back from the dead that everybody would know? Why would God choose to be born in flesh and blood as a little bitty baby? to a couple who would raise him in just a nowhere town called Nazareth. Hardly a wide place in the road, as we would say here. Why Jesus? Why Jesus 100% human and 100% God? 
but 100% human, making him subject to blood, sweat, and tears, making him be able to stub his toe. I don't know. Making him be able to, to hit his, his thumb with a hammer in the carpenter shop. Making him, I don't know, subject to having a gnat fly up his nose. I mean, do you all think about things like that? I do. Making him subject to maybe having a, a crush on somebody when he was growing up. A crush on somebody in his neighborhood. Why Jesus? Well, because God so loved. God loved so much that an angel or celestial being just wouldn't do. God loved so much that just another prophet wouldn't do, even one come back from the dead. God loved so much that God had to send God's very own self. The very word of God made flesh. Only Jesus could show us what it's like to be a human being the way God intended, the way God had in mind. Only Jesus could show us what it was like to love with the heart of a servant. Only Jesus could show us the way. Only Jesus could lay down his life on the cross. And only Jesus could conquer sin and death and hell and the grave and rise again on the third day. Only Jesus could do that. Opening once and for all the way to God, only Jesus could do that. That's why Jesus. So now let's insert a comma. And see what why Jesus looks like with a comma. Why, Jesus, were you crucified? Couldn't there be another way? I mean, Jesus refers to a story, verses 14 through 18. I don't know if you, usually people kind of zoom right by that, that little passage. But it was something that would have piqued Nicodemus's interest because he would have known this story by heart he would have known this story from the time he was little bitty this was the story of the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 21 when they had been led out of Egypt by Moses and they were going through the wilderness and you know how you know how the Israelites did they complained and they grumbled and they griped and they said to Moses, and they, they, they said, why did God even bring us out of Egypt in the first place? Did he just bring us out here in the wilderness to die? We could have died in Egypt. I wish we'd never come out. I wish we'd never left Egypt. I mean, they were just so complaining and so grumbling. And, get, and look, this story gives me the heebie-jeebies. God sent poisonous snakes among the people. And the poisonous snakes started biting them. Pastor Andy, can you imagine that? I mean, just I, I, the very first time I saw the snakes, I would have been repenting. But it took them a while. That after so many people got bit, they ran to Moses. And they said, Moses, please pray to God to take these snakes away. And Moses prayed to God. And God said, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to make a... a a bronze snake, right? 
a bronze snake, and I want you to put it on a pole, and I want you to lift it up and tell the people that everyone who looks on this bronze snake will be healed and everyone who doesn't look on the bronze snake will die. So that's what Moses did. Does that sound crazy? Yeah, it sounds crazy. Is it, is it something that would take a little step of faith? Absolutely, it would take a little step of faith because it just sounds crazy. So that's what they had to do in order to live. Instead of, getting, instead of getting sticks and trying to kill all the snakes, right? Which is, I would have voted for that. Or instead of, I don't know, coming up with some kind of home remedy for snake bites. Or instead of actually climbing the pole to get away from the snakes, which would have seemed a better option to me. All they had to do, all they must do, was just to have enough faith to look upon what God had provided for them. And some did. And some didn't. Which brings me to my next why, comma, Jesus. Why, Jesus, are some people condemned? John three seventeen, I think, is just as important as John 3.16. As a matter of fact, if you read John 3.16 and you don't go ahead and read John 3.17, you've missed out on something that God wants us to see. You see, John 3.16 is important. Indeed, God did send His only begotten Son because He loved the world so much that whoever believes in Him would have eternal life. But listen to John 3.17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Why, Jesus, are some people condemned? Well, it's not because God sent Jesus to condemn them. And honest to goodness, sometimes that's what we see. That's what we picture in our mind. We picture God is some angry figure with a long white beard that's got thunderbolts in both hands. Honestly, kind of like Zeus. You ever seen a picture of Zeus? Thunderbolts in the hand, which would make Jesus kind of an extension of one of the thunderbolts, right? God's condemnation come to earth because God is just that angry. But it was the love of God... It was the love of God that inspired the gift of God. So if we are to believe John 3, 17, then why, Jesus, are some people condemned? Is it because they were predestined to be condemned from the very beginning of time? That's what some traditions believe. I'm not trying to criticize some traditions, but I'm just saying we Wesleyans don't believe that way. It just doesn't make sense to us that, that God would choose some to be saved before the beginning of the world without having a choice of their own, and some would be chosen to be condemned 
before the beginning of the world without having a choice of their own. It just doesn't jibe with the love of God. You see, it doesn't make sense when you try to hold it against the love of God because we know that love can't be love unless you can freely choose it or freely choose not to do it. It just doesn't even jibe when you put it up next to the story from Numbers 21, the Old Testament story in the wilderness. I don't know why some people chose not to look at the bronze snake and be healed. It sounds dumb to me. Why wouldn't you do that? But some didn't. And if they didn't look at the bronze snake, if they didn't do what God had provided the healing for them, well, then that's on them, isn't it? It wasn't God that condemned them. I don't know why some people choose not to do what they know they need to do. I don't know why you can lead a horse to water and you can't make him drink. I don't know why people would rather die in the darkness than walk to the light. I don't know why people run away, run away from the very thing that they need the most. I don't know. But what I really am sure about is that God so loved the world that God gave Jesus, that God provided Jesus, and that if we just look to him by faith, if we just look to him by faith, not providing our own home remedy for sin and not trying to use our own effort and our own intelligence to, to climb our way to God, but if we just look to Jesus. Max Lucado is uh, one of my favorite preachers and authors. We are Pathfinders class is studying one of his books right now. And one of his older books um, is called God Came Near. And in that, he writes this, Christianity in its purest form is nothing more than seeing Jesus. Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating whom we see. He tells a story in that book about a guy named Bob Edens. And Bob uh, was... The first 51 years of his life, he was blind. He could, he could smell, and he could hear, and he could taste, and he could touch. But he, he couldn't see anything. But then, later on in his life, uh, because of some new developments in surgical techniques, there was a, a very complicated surgery that was able to be done on Bob. And for the first time in his life, he could see can you imagine? He said, I never knew that yellow was so yellow. I never knew what the shape of the moon looked like. I never knew how bright the stars twinkled. I never knew how much I love the color red. I never knew how cool it was to see a, a jet trail, vapor trail from a jet across the sky and he just was experiencing all of this because he used to be blind and now he could see but you know what's 
true for all of us. We're all sometimes blind to something that's right in front of our faces, aren't we? There's more than one kind of blindness, as you know. There's a blindness that involves just refusing to see. Just simply refusing to see. An old saying says, there are none so blind as those who will not see. Have you all ever heard that one? There are none so blind as those who will not see. I looked that up. I did some, some like, internet research on that. And I wanted to find out where it came from. Cause, and then some people say it went back to Jonathan Swift in 1738. Some say some other guy in 1713. Some say it went back as far as 1546. But you know what? I think it goes back to all the way at least to the 6th century B.C., to a prophet named Jeremiah who wrote this in Jeremiah 5.21. Hear, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Have you ever tried looking for fulfillment and meaning in the wrong place when what was right in front of you was there all along have you have you tried looking to your your work your your friends your family your hobbies your possessions have you tried just being good enough on your own, just your own virtue or your own talent or your own intelligence or fame or fortune. Why not Jesus? And that's the last why, Jesus. For, and this is for all of us. And this is really where it's at. Why Jesus for you and me? Why not look to Jesus who's been there all along? Why Jesus for you and me? Well, because he is light and life to all who look to him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have provided for us a love that is so big that it fills the cosmos. A love that provides for us a quality of life that can only be called eternal. A love that loved enough to lay down life and to conquer the thing that we fear the most, death. And to pick up life again and be resurrected. A love that opens the way to you, to having fellowship with you, and to being one with you. Thank you for loving us that much. Help us, Lord, not to be blind to what's right in front of our face, to take that little step of faith to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Now by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, go with us all now and forever. Amen.